The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org. When we were preparing for this service, Allison and I discovered that we had a mutual love for the writing of Maria Harris, whose words you just heard a moment ago, and who you'll hear from again later in the service. Both of us, it turned out, have at least one of her books, so clogged with post-it notes and highlights and dog-eared corners that it's hard to find many pages without some insight jumping from the page. Harris was a prolific writer and thinker around religious education. A former member of the Sisters of St. Joseph and an educator in both Catholic parochial schools and non-denominational seminaries. Even though she writes explicitly about religious education in a Christian context, when I first read her work, I was sure she could be a secret Unitarian Universalist. So aligned is she with a vision of education akin to our own, one that moves from a top-down didactic approach to faith formation and towards a more collaborative and exploratory model one with a more explicit orientation towards justice-making. Though much of her writing was penned decades ago, Harris's ideas maintain a visionary quality for contemporary readers. She offers a framework for thinking about and doing religious education ministry that moves away from religious education confined to a classroom or limited to our young people and towards a vision of religious education in which the entire congregation is involved in educating and empowering one another and the community as a whole, and for the purpose of engaging in ministry in the midst of the world. Of course, she's not proposing that we do away with our fabulous religious education teachers and amazing classes. In fact, I'd say it's actually all the more reason to celebrate and lift up and prioritize that work and those people. But rather, that we situate these criti critical elements of education in a larger context of the educational program of the congregation. Or simpler put, that we shift from thinking about the church as having a religious education program to conceptualizing of the church as being an educational program. To use a more familiar term, shift to thinking of the church as a teaching congregation, which this congregation definitely is, and not just in name. Thank you. 
two years ago when I began thinking about possible internship sites. A mentor gave me a piece of simple and confusing advice. Look for a site, she said, that really sees itself as a teaching congregation. A congregation that considers the formation of ministerial interns as part of its mission, not separate from it. Truth be told, I didn't know exactly what she meant, much less how to look for it, but I held that piece of advice in the back of my head as I surfed through the online clearinghouse of internships. And lo and behold, in the very beginning impressions of this congregation, in an email exchange with Reverend Vanessa and another with Amy Kelly, who recounted a few details about the founding of the internship committee a few decades ago, and then in the phrases of the application and the questions posed by the intern committee, I could tell in the way that sometimes you can only recognize something when it is so clearly there before you that this congregation knew itself to be a teaching congregation. I have not felt for a moment that this congregation, my remarkable supervisors, my unparalleled intern committee, or any of you, have wanted to mold me into a your vision of a minister. I have not felt a desire to shape me into the perfect fit for the ministerial team here or into a copy of past interns. Instead, I have come to realize that this congregation has the gift of approaching formation of your ministerial interns, much like Maria Harris describes approaching those pieces of clay. I have felt in you an orientation toward education and towards formation that is fundamentally relational. Not a one-way transit of learnings from you to me or vice versa, but a process of ongoing shaping of one another, drawing each other out into the forms that we could be or become. With you, I have had the enormous gift of beginning to find the form of my authentic ministry, a form that may have been there in part all along, as Harris described of the clay, a form waiting to be found and created and recreated, but also a form that could not have emerged this way in isolation and would not have looked the same had it happened somewhere else. Through observation and practice, through gentle nudges and larger pushes, through affirmation and constructive feedback, and mostly through time and relationship. I have had the great gift of this year of being formed and reformed in mutuality and community with you. To me, this is the embodiment of a teaching congregation. I can assure you that every one of you are teachers. And I'd offer too that every one of you is also 
a beneficiary of this embodiment of a teaching congregation. In fact, I'd assert that while I have been graced with the chance to engage in such formation with explicit focus and intention and incredible support, thank you, I would assert that being a teaching congregation in the largest sense means seeing that commitment to formation that you all demonstrate to your interns in spades as the same orientation towards the children and youth of this congregation and frankly, to every single person here. Now, plenty of that formation happens in the classroom, in our religious education classes for children and adults, but it happens elsewhere too in the marking of rites of passage, in the honoring of yearly traditions of beginning and ending, in how we respond as a community to the challenges in our world and the challenges that come from ourselves. The curriculum of our teaching congregation then, as I think Maria Harris would agree, becomes the entire course of the church's life not just the classes, but worship and justice making and even administration of this institution. And not just the explicit curriculum of what we say we do in those spaces, but the implicit aspects too. How we do these things, how we care for each other, how we invite each other in to growth how we organize our physical spaces and our Zoom meetings, how we nurture our young people, how we welcome in newcomers. As we engage in all of these aspects of being a religious community, we are co-creating the curriculum of this congregation and we are all learning from it all the time. We are always in formation being formed by and forming one another. So taking up this mantle of being a teaching congregation in the largest sense, I think means shifting toward thinking about every single person of every age as among not only the teachers, but also among the learners. And as teachers and learners, we fashion ourselves as with Maria Harris's clay with patience and openness to the gifts latent in each one of us and in our collective. We enter into a process of ongoing formation, shaping and being shaped by one another. And in so doing, we shape who we will be and become together and what we will bring forth into our beautiful and hurting world. This is the power of religious education. And this is our promise as a teaching congregation. May we live further into these gifts together. May it be so. Our church community navigated a vast and unknown mountain pass this past year filled with ups and downs, unexpected turns, 
sharp and painful twists, and along the way we witnessed tragedies beyond imagination. There was no map to guide us. Instead, we summoned our collective imagination and charted away, making adjustments and corrections as we soldiered ahead. We learned new ways and reinvented old ones. We got stuck in the drifts now and then. Amidst the seemingly endless travails, we paused to take in vista points filled with grace, beauty, mystery, wonder, and love. As we begin to plan our way back and our way forward, it's a good time to ask questions and imagine the kind of map we need to move ahead. To grow spiritually, ethically, morally, religiously, to explore the depth of what it means to be human and how we make meaning of our lives requires us to traverse a wide range of terrains and topography. There are many paths, but we share a destination, the beloved community, where we ground ourselves in the radical work of love and justice. One way we move towards beloved community is through our teaching, our learning, and our imagination. What we teach and how we teach, what we learn and how we learn, what we imagine and how we imagine will get us closer to our dreamed destination. What has this last year taught us about being a faith community? What lessons have we learned? How will the experience shape us in the months and years and generations ahead? We have been on a steep learning curve asking ourselves, what does it mean to be a virtual church and remain a vital one? How do we maintain intimacy and connection when we're in forced separation? What seemed unnavigable at the start of the pandemic turned into an opportunity to trust our collective imagination and find a way forward. How we understand ourselves as a teaching and learning community has changed. Who would have imagined a year ago what, that we would have daily meditation class with Elena Perez teaching from her home in Fresno? Weren't we lucky when Amy Hunt offered to lead a yoga class from her studio in the South Bay? The Spirit Saturdays could go virtual and work. Who would have thought the humanist and non-theist and forum folks would welcome people from around the world to their virtual gatherings? Same goes for Sunday, Sunday worship and Sunday school too. This isn't to say that we all want or should be virtual, all virtual all the time, but our virtual reality has opened doors to people who might not, who might not otherwise have found us. It's always good to travel, to be with fellow travelers and to have them as your company. Maria Harris believes that imagination, all the faculties of human beings, our senses, our history, our education, our feelings, our faith and our unfaith, and our image of the world is at the heart of teaching. When we imagine, we make space to shape and reshape the subject matter and invite the learner 
into something new in the clay, to find something new in the clay. The poet George, George Orr talks about four temperaments, story, structure, music, and imagination, and that all poets enact one in their work. What is true for poets may be true for all of us as well. Each of us has a core temperament that we work from. Orr says that story and structure are limiting impulses, while music and imagination are limitless. Each of us has a sweet spot, maybe a safe spot. What Orr suggests is we, as a way to grow and learn is to walk across the lane and integrate an opposing temperament. Our church community is a vibrant and colorful intersection filled with opportunities to create, grow, and deepen spiritually, to try on different temperaments and imagine new ways of being in beloved community. What's required for the journey is a willingness to walk across the lane and trust your inner map to guide you. As Unitarian Universalists, we are not held to a particular creed or doctrine as the sole subject matter of religious experience. Rather, we covenant to seek a deeper understanding of what it means to be alive, to be of service, to be inclusive and welcoming, to become anti-racist and to work for justice. Our ways of teaching and learning must be bound up in our understanding ourselves as a community where all persons and all beings matter. All persons and all beings are important. All persons and all beings are worthy of dignity and respect. The congregation is the curriculum, says Harris. We are all teachers of the faith, and we are all learning what it means to be a person of faith. Through worship, music, the minister's book club, Wednesday night, Wednesday vigils, volunteering at the food bank, Sunday school, our principles, we explore subjects that speak to the heart and that call us to be our best selves, to work for justice, to learn our history and question our history, to celebrate the wonder of creation and see ourselves in it. Subject matter must be loved and the subjects, each one of us, must see ourselves in the curriculum, giving shape and meaning to our lives. Maps show us how to take risks. Which mountain pass shall we take? How to take care. Check out those rest stops and restaurants. How to take time. Don't forget the scenic route. How to take steps. Shall we walk, dance, ride our bikes? Maybe there's a ferry that will get us where we want to go. And how to take form, be it song, sermon, soup, silly games, siding with love, soulful prayer, stories, sculpture, and celebration, and so many more. Maps can guide us towards the promise of beloved community.
Let me close with the story from the poet and teacher Richard Chess. He writes, in the heart of the matter, poetry and spirituality, I asked the students for their most recent writing assignment to look at the letters of one of the short poems they had written earlier in the semester, using the Chinese system of pictograph writing as inspiration. What images, concrete nouns or verbs are suggested by the shapes of the letters? Translate one of your earlier poems, letter by letter, into these images. Thus, T equals temple, H equals horse, U equals well, S equals river. Now use these words in a few lines of a poem. In the temple, the river of well-being flows from worshiper to worshiper, while outside, a horse tears grass from the pasture. That morning, he says, for the 10,000th time in my career as an educator, I listened and responded, responded and listened and learned together with the students. When we began the class, I didn't know where the conversation would lead, how and if we would connect to what we had been reading and writing. But somehow connections surprising and revealing were made. Somehow, with the help of the imagination, we created and discovered a sense of connection to each other and to something greater than the sum of the individuals present in that room. Friends and fellow creators, map makers, imagineers, travelers, teachers, lovers of learning, we carry that map in our hearts, in our hands, and it's leading us into this space, to this time, to this moment. Together, we will chart a way forward through the mountain passes and over the river to worship in rich pastures of the promised land. The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org. Thank you.